Thank you very much. And I came in uh, this beautiful place of Medrash. So it went through my mind is that just uh, last week was the yard site, I think the 75th yard site of Rameer Lublin, Rameer Shapiro. And Rameer Shapiro was the uh, founder of the idea that in that yeshivas the structure of yeshivas, the manner which yeshivas are run should, should represent Kavad Torah, the greatest team we have for Torah. I walked into this, uh, this space of Medrash, this yeshiva, I was wowed by the, uh, the, the physical premises and the beauty of this space of Medrash, it's outstanding. And that uh, is the legacy of Amir Lublin, and it's the legacy which uh, speaks to the community that holds Torah and Torah study in the high esteem and communicates that. And a child comes into this building and sees what you and your community and your friends have put in right away, without even, before they're being opened their mouths, they see that uh, their education, their Torah, is, uh, and its magnificence is uh, held in this and the preciousness that it deserves. Rabbi Kanevsky reminded uh, me of uh, our Didn't need to be reminded of it. I think of it many, many times. I tell you when I think about it. I think about it when I don't know why, but there was one time I don't know if it was very, very hot or something, and had had trouble learning. And the only place you could find air conditioning was the our van. I think. So I must have spent an entire afternoon. Every time I learned in my van, I remember when we had a, we sat in the van and uh, we learned. And we think of you, Yom and Rome time, because many years ago, so you were one of our first ballet uh, students for Yom and Rome. And then we had dreams of grooming you to be our uh, centerpiece for Yom and Rome. But uh, I guess a, a team with a better coach, uh, out and Baruch Hashem. You and, uh, and now your colleague of my storage, Baruch Hashem, at the helm of uh, a great uh, institution of Chinoth and producing tremendously. It was a cover for me to spend this time with you this evening. I came across a very pretty uh, board. In yesterday's parsha, it says, Vayashkeim Avram Baboker twice. It says, Vayashkeim Avram Baboker when it comes to the Akeda and Avram is taking uh, Yitzchak together with Yishval and Eliezer to uh, the Akeda. It says Vayashkeim Avram Baboker when Avram had to follow his wife's Nevuah and sacrifice Yishmael. So the Shonen point out, I saw this in the Sefer of Yitzchak Zilverstein, that the trap, the notes on Vayashkeim Avram Baboker for the Akeda is Kazaviyazla. Vayashkeim Avram, when it comes to Yishmael, it's Munach Munach. Vayashkeim Avram. He says, the Shonen explain. It's the same phrase, the same Zerizus. He says, but when Avram is going with Yitzchak together, then no matter where you're going, you're going to fill God's word, you're going with your child. That's Kadma Viyazla, it's Kona there's an excitement, there's a, there's a lightness of spirit. 
when you're going and you're going to be distanced from your child and it was Sarah's Nevoa it was the right thing to do but he had to distance himself from Yishmael it's Munach, Munach it's difficult, it's draining and he requires a tremendous amount of Yishavadas but I was asked to speak about this evening is to spend some time together to think together of situations where there might be some uh, separateness between a, a parent and a child when it comes to decision making and there might be some strains between a parent's influence and a, and a Rebbe's influence and Be'ez uh, Hashem, I hope, if we're successful to be able to frame our thoughts in a way that it'll be the goal of, of almost all of Chinuch and the overarching goal certainly when it comes to decision making can best be phrased by a comment that Ravolvi said we'll say in his words we'll think about it whenever we say Kriyashma in the very beginning of Kriyashma in the parsha of the Shema Yisrael there the mitzvah of teaching is the pasuk v'shinantam levanecha v'dibar tovam you'll teach your children and v'dibar tovam you will speak in Divrei Torah in the parsha v'ayim shemoah the second parsha u'zulmanetem osam es b'neichem l'daberbam you'll teach them that they should speak about it l'daberbam Rabobi says that this crystallizes for us the overarching goal of Chinuch that we start with the Bartabam. We're the ones doing the talking. The, the parents, the Rebbeim, the goal is the Daberbam. That they'll have a certain sense of independence. That when it comes to decision making that they will learn to gather advice from people who care about them. They'll learn to be discerning of the different uh, kinds of advice that they get and uh, they'll learn a good decision-making process and decision-making processes and that's ultimately what we want to accomplish with the bare love and this is uh, caused by the idea that's so often expressed in Baloschosh Baloschosh we want to inspire our children so that they move on their own but Baloschosh means they want to, to raise them up we want to uh, give them these, these strengths. There are times when it comes to decision making and we're afraid that our child's going to make a terrible, disastrous decision. So then, which could be destructive for them. They may have tied us against later on if we don't stop them. So we have to be much uh, more forceful. But most of the time, so we all know, we get much further if we're direct with our children. If we explain our ideas to our children, we explain to them why we think that they should choose a certain way and if we're, if we're respectful respectful of, of young people we don't apply gimmicks, gimmicks show the lack of respect we try to get something that we want that we think is right we make things for their best interest and we apply uh, guilt that when, and the child responds to the guilt they lay a trip on them they respond in the short run we make it we want in the long run we raise a child that's frustrated and is angry and, and the child learns to distrust the parent the parent uses the gimmick the child doesn't realize it right away soon will realize it 
and gimmicks that generate uh, trust uh, or respect. Parshas Vayera, one of the great parshas of Chinuch. So the very opening is that Avram uh, says to to Yishmael, at least to one of the kids that saw Yishmael, he says, "Yukach nomad moi." Medrash criticizes Avram. Yukach nomad moi. Let some water be taken. A little bit of water, bring it to the Malach and bring it to the guest. So Medrash criticizes because Avram said, "Yukach nomad moi." So later on, the Jews got water in the desert by Yashliach. Not directly from Hashem, like the Mon, they got it through a bear, they got it through Moshe, hitting the rock. Strange Rashi. Yukach, Namad, Mayim, it's great Chinuch. What's a better kind of Chinuch? Your child's right there. Involve the child. You being not to him. So, had the child help out? Like the child can't schlep uh, tongues. But the child can schlep a little bit of water. Yukach, Namad, Mayim. Some Russian say, you want to bother your small, a little bit of water. So why would he criticize? I think he was criticized because he says, you kachna, let there be taken. He should have told you small, he should have said, uh, it's a tremendous thing that we're doing. We have uh, malachim, we have, we have guests, we have guests, they're tired and they're parched. And they don't have a koya. It's a tremendous thing to bring some water for them. You kachna, belittle, that he wants to be even or something. So just for a little bit of water, as long as we get some water, it's okay. Yukachna means let it come. It should be tika. It should be totally bring. Person, the parent has to be careful that when we involve our children with tremendous respect for what they're doing and valosa to build it up, to make things into big things, to make good things into big things, to make a, a taram about the good things that they do. And Allowing a child to make their own decisions means allowing a child to make mistakes also. Allowing a child to fail. Parent has to be careful to let a child fail sometimes. Let a child make a mistake. And uh, it's upsetting sometimes. Sometimes uh, you watch your child and uh, you see he's making a mistake, but you want to give him some space. You want to give him some decision-making powers, and it's, and it's the right thing to do. And sometimes it's painful for a parent. To be able to see a child make a mistake and you couldn't help them out, you could have prevented it. You have to remember the Gemara says, A person only stands up and becomes a god, becomes a person, becomes independent. Make mistakes sometimes. And that's, uh, that's a powerful lesson for a child. That uh, not, all mistakes, not, all, not all decisions work out well, but what makes the best possible decision and making the best possible decision with the information we have at hand, that's what the Baruch Hu wants from us. I, I assume that, uh, I think that if one develops this sense of respect for one's child, then that will ease many of the times of, conflict is a very strong word, but maybe the times of uh, Discussion, the times of where, where parent and child do sometimes run against each other. In the context that we're, that we're discussing. Probably the most prominent in our minds is the young man or the young woman who, uh, who becomes, uh, speak with the terms that we use, who gets flipped out, goes there to throw, and sometimes comes out different than we expect. Not exactly, we want, we have very often very narrow pictures. We want of our children, so. And, or in Yiddish they say the word parkoyft. 
So one of these words is hard to translate into English. It comes taken. It comes, uh, I think in this Hebrew they say kanui, amachur. And taken with a certain teacher, with a certain approach, with a certain lifestyle, becomes a chosid of something. And I think then the parent is looking very, very carefully. That's a very instructive moment in a parent-child relationship. Parent is afraid that the child is unstable, is moving too fast, is moving, is becoming an unthinking person. That's very, very bothersome. It's troublesome. And that has to discuss it with the child. Child's becoming a, a robotic person. We're afraid that the child will, in short order, flip back. So the child will become disappointed in themselves. Will be able to trust their own judgment. The child won't be, it will become cynical of themselves. So if you have these years of respect, where you've respected your child's decision, and you have these years of open discussion, where you've talked about things seriously, we haven't imposed things without a real significant discussion, thinking it out with the child. So then, you can have a real discussion now also. You can express your concerns. And you have to listen. Years of listening to your child will pay off tremendously. Because, he, because, because your daughter, your son will know, they come home and the parents will be listening. And you'll hear. If you hear instability, if you hear a lack of a forethought, if you hear robotic activity, you'll be able to discuss it with your child. And you'll make tremendous headway. You'll be able to explain to your child that you're afraid that they've made decisions that are not good for them. On the other hand, you may be surprised to find strength. And then it'll come through. You may be surprised to find the person who's, who's thought things through far beyond you've expected. Because you've trained them well. Because you've, you've thought with them for years. You may find uh, a child that um, has, is inspired. And to my mind, that's the, that's the greatest uh, gift. That, uh, people ask me when I discuss with people, what do you want of your child? What do you, how do you want them? What's the most important thing? So some people say happiness. Some people say yeah, integrity. Top of my list is being inspired. Not to be a little integrity here. Or, uh, or happiness. But a person is inspired, engages every day with a simcha sachayim, with a happiness. Engages every day with a sense of meaningfulness. A parent has inspired children. Wow, that's a, that's a way to live. So you may find that uh, these things are true. That that's what's going on in the child's life. Doesn't make you feel any better sometimes. So then the parent has to introspect. Why am I upset? What's really getting at me? If, if my child would be unstable, we discuss it. And then we have to, if I think my child's making terrible, terrible mistakes, if I think my child is misunderstanding, so then you have these years of trust, you go back to the Terebeim that I've had been influential in your child's life, you have a relationship with them, you go to the shul rav, you work it out. But if you hear that the child has really has figured things out well, it made good decisions, reasonable decisions. But they're in a different place than we the parents are. So then one has to introspect and see what's really going on in, in the parent's heart. What, what may be happening. 
the parent has to introspect. That maybe the parent feels that with the child communicating is that we didn't do good enough. Our lifestyle is not good enough for a child. That's a, that's a difficult thing for a parent to swallow. That um, I'm afraid that my child may end up judging me. That maybe I, I have been, not been fully successful in inspiring. I thought my lifestyle was an inspiring lifestyle. I thought my lifestyle really, I, I put it together well. So that's what's cooking inside the parent's mind. The parent has to think of it very carefully. We can't uh, respond to our own, uh, our own feelings of, uh, thank you very much, our own feelings of our own, we can't become defensive because we think that we're being criticized. Again, if you've gone through the process, you've listened, child makes sense, so then what's cooking is that I'm becoming defensive about that I thought I did a better job. And the fact that he did a great job because the child's making good decisions, because he's aspiring for something, because he's inspired, because he's, his life is becoming uh, overwhelmed with the, the loftiest and the most precious ideas you want to give your child. It's a great measure of success. We sometimes, sometimes don't see our success. And that's what I'm going to focus on. I'll tell you two stories. And then uh, we'll frame our discussion. We'll learn a sugi together. One is a story that uh, is told in the biography of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky that a uh, very religious parents and very dedicated parents and learned parents and literature parents one of their children wanted to become a Skvera Chassid. So parents were very upset by it. The story doesn't tell exactly the psychological process of the parents but they were upset. So, they made a deal, they'll go with the child to Biakov. Biakov was go to our door. The parents thought they had in the bag. Biakov was a lit bishop of Yeshiva. Right? And, uh, so they figured, they sat down to Biakov. And Biakov explained to the parents that you have to give your child some space. That he was reassuring the parents, the child's not criticizing you. The child has certain emotional needs that uh, our litvish approach is not satisfying. So he's satisfying his emotional needs by becoming a chassid. Parents were floored. Yaakov didn't stop. Yaakov said, maybe you should really go to a square yeshiva. He was even putting farther. My wife tells me that when she was a child, she remembers that one time she was, she was davening and it was after uh, second grade or third grade or something. And I think it was, uh, she was davening, comes to the kind of shaman, she stands up. And uh, my mother-in-law, so was, uh, and taught the children the details of davening, was taken aback, standing up, and standing up for the kind of shaman. So when she finished davening, she said to my wife, she said, uh, what are you standing up for the kind of shaman? She, she said, very honestly, well, in school, where Debbie said, you stand for the kind of shaman. So she says, so my mom was, uh, then said, that sounds like a good idea. And I'll have to look into it, but I'll also stand for a fellow kind of show. That's a pichas. Right? Mishandled. It dampens the excitement the child has. The child learns something. Handled well, so now the child takes pride of a, of a form of dominance. The mother learns from the child. It strengthens everything. Right? It 
It's a Dovashal Mavachach. It's a nothing. Right? But if a parent becomes defensive, it becomes a, a sore point. Parent has the pixels to respond in this way. My, my wife remembers it at the end of that. So I want to learn a sugi with you. And a sugi that frames what we're saying and I think gives us a very important attitude to some of the conflicts that I was asked to address. And, this, and I found after I was looking into it that a book develops the idea and what we're going to say is, can be found in one of the Sifrei Pachad Yitzchak. I came across it, the similar idea in a, an exchange that Rishul Yaakov Weinberg is itself the Rashiva in the Yisrael had to the Torah Sower Convention. And it's a sugya in Baba Basra, it's one that uh, has many, many angles to it, we'll focus on one angle. Gemara says, Gemara says, Omer Av Yehuda, Omer Rav, Biram Zachor Osoa Ishul Tov, Yeshua Ben Gamla Shema. You got it, remember, Yeshua Ben Gamla did a great thing. Remember him for the good. Chilmolayu Nishtakachur Yisrael. Yeshua ben Gamla was the founder of Yeshiva, kind of was the founder of day schools. Yeshua ben Gamla in our history is a checkered, a checkered biography. Because Yeshua ben Gamla bought his way in to become the, the coin god. Doesn't sound so good. You know that by Yeshua we had many Konim Gedolim who were of stellar reputation and many Konim Gedolim who got their positions because they, they bought their way. Yeshua bin Gamla bought his way in. His family bought him in. So as such, even the Tosha says he was a tzaddik, but he wasn't, uh, there were other tzaddik and he was not the best man for the job. But he got it. So the Tosha Gemara says, remember him. You may want to remember that he's the, he's the Kohen Gadol bought his way in. Remember him Because the Mola Yeshua bin Gamla Nishtakach Terev Yisrael. What's the story? Mara says, Before Yeshua ben Gamla, Misha Yesh Loi Av, Melam Dei Torah. Misha Ein Loi Av, Lohoya Loi Me Torah. It's before Yeshua ben Gamla, the child had parents, the child had a father, he learned Torah. The time of Bayashani, the lifespan was not what we have now, Baruch Hashem. You know, so many, many parents, many children have parents. So there were children in that parents, you saw him, didn't learn. So Yeshua ben Gamla said, you have a posuk, Ulamadatem osam, they thought, they darshaned, Ulamadatem atem, they darshaned, parents and teach the children, no one else is responsible, community is not responsible, Ulamadatem atem, parents are responsible. So Yeshua ben Gamla, my darush, what did he say? His so Yeshua ben Gamla made a day school with Yeshiva Ketan in Yerushalayim. Why Yerushalayim? Now, it's an interesting history over here. The history of day schools. It, it, it goes backwards and forwards. It was a trial and error. Yeshua ben Gamla failed. Why did he fail? Where it says, who brought the Yisomim? It's the old busing from. Busing and carpool. Right? The Yosem didn't have a carpool, didn't have a person taking the bus. Right? So you know, there's no carpool, no busing, no yeshiva. Right? It happened. Time to the Gemara. So the children who had parents, the parents said, yeshiva, a day school. So I can now work. Come on, 
I'll take my, my child to day school, and I'll, I'll get to work the rest of That's what happened. Work the rest of that. But these Solomon didn't end up in school. So I guess it was the first time that a board decided something. Lo, yes, that didn't work. So the board gets them back together again. Next school year, what are we going to do? A failed plan. So what does the Gemara say? His skin to the machine because plahu plah, who machnis and osan ben tezayin and ben yezayin. So he says, well, they have a problem. No busing, no carpool, no yeshiva. Well, wait, the kids are 16 and 17, so they can study watch the school, right? We think our kids are pampered, right? 16 and 17, so they can walk to school. So we'll make local yeshivas called Papa Plot, right? And 16 and 17. Morris is an interesting story. Morris says what happened. Misha Yerabe Koye Salav Mabdit Boy Uyotza. You can't bring a child who's 16 or 17 first time and put him in a, in a, in a classroom. First time, especially It's not this one child. So you're going to sit him down 16 and 17 the first time and put him behind a desk and give him a... start teaching him. So the, the, the rabbi gets angry at him. The rabbi gets angry. So if he's been in school ever since he was uh, 5 or 6, then he had parents who trained him with the covet. But 16 and 17 the first time. Oh, you boy in the yard say. It's like... Uh, my don't need them, right? I don't like what I say. They're out. There are many choices, right? They're not sticking around. So that's what happens. This is what they don't do. My and not always be Yotze. They don't have to. We have a much easier policy. They're just Yotze. But uh, this Mavid Yotze, they would kick over the desk and check out. Nope. New school year, new board, new decision. What happens? They figured out, are you Meshivan Malamde Tinokos? Six and seven year old would now come to local school. Local yeshivas, local children. I guess the mothers brought them. Maybe they're close enough to kids to walk. That was the solution. We know he saved Cloud Yisrael. Can you imagine if he wouldn't have schools now? He developed days. It explains that at the same time as there was a tremendous tikkun for Kuala Yisrael, there was a tremendous, tremendous Yerida Tadoros, there was a tremendous diminishing of Kuala Yisrael. Why? Because what happened before Yishuv It's true there were someone who didn't, uh, didn't go to school. But every child had parents, every single home in Kuala Yisrael was teaching. Every single home in Cloud Yisrael had to put it all together. Parents had to find times to work and earn a parnasa and find time to teach a child. Every single home was a one-room schoolhouse. Every single home had the responsibility of maintaining the Messiah of Cloud Yisrael from the, the smallest detail to the, the greatest ideas that a child can grasp. And there's a beautiful Sforna. Beautiful Sephora, beginning of of Kisaita, the Kisoba. Vide Bikura, Vide Mata. Torah says once every three years, Jew has to make sure he's given all the strumis and maitras, and he makes sure the house is cleared of strumis and maitras, and he goes and he says of Vidui, Vyarti Akodesh Manabayas. Anything of Kedusha, I was careful, I dealt with it appropriately, so I'm in the house. 
I gave to the I gave to the Ani, I gave to the Gavi Yosem, everything's gone. Why is it called Bidui? What's he confessing? That's not a, that's a proclamation, that's not a Bidui. To the Svarna, the Arti, our Kodesh and Abayas, the Jew is saying, I did a terrible thing. Kral Yisrael has locked us tremendously. There used to be a time when every home had a Bechor. Every home had a connection, almost every home had a Bechor, had a connection to Yerushalayim. It wasn't a shaved lady. Had a brother, either I was in, had a brother, my father, an uncle, somebody in our family was working Yerushalayim with a Koye. Julius and Maestros, probably went to the uncle, went to the brother, cousin. Biyarti Nebuch, Biyarti HaKodesh and Abayas. I don't have that Kiddush in my house, in my home anymore. It's a different kind of a house. That's Vidavi. And it comes to mind when he has to clear the Maestro out. That's what the footnote said happened in the time of Yeshua ben Gamla. A tremendous tikkun. But you have to understand that tikkun is a response to a Yerida Sadoros. A tikkun is a response and perhaps even generated a certain Yerida Sadoros for which we are still suffering. And that's really what we have to speak about. And that's, this suya really frames what we have to say. We have to, we cannot put the genie back in the bottle. We don't have the skills to do it. And I don't know if it would be, it would be good for us at this time. But we have to realize that we're dealing with a sort of a, a bifurcated reality. The reality was supposed to be that every home was a base of Medrash. Every home transmitted the depth of, of, of the ideals I saw in the Galsen or Zilberstein Sefer. He writes how he remembers that his, his mother, his mother, Whenever he, whenever uh, she would, act, whenever she would announce it's time to come to dinner, she would say, "Let's eat." She would tell the children, "He told you, dime, please, time to wash." Mother didn't say, "It's time to go to sleep." Mother would say, "It's time to be Krishna. Frames everything. That's a home that frames everything. As as Dvarim Shabbatusha, the uh, the Cheskuni says, Cheskuni says, one of my colleagues. Rabbi Sachs is very fond of calling this Chizkuni. That the reason why Shevet Halevi was successful ultimately is because ultimately Shevet Halevi was an entire Shevet that was brimming with sanity. So if you only have a Bukhor in your own home, so if you're successful, the home becomes a base of Medrash. If you're unsuccessful, the Bukhor's influence becomes diluted. If you're unsuccessful, the Bukhor is in Yerushalayim, and you're in a different place in Eretz Yisrael, and uh, you dilute the You're part of a Shevet, an entire tribe that is dedicated. That's what Yeshua ben Gamla said, Yerushalayim is the only place. If I'm trying to compensate for Achmanul Etzlon, people who don't have parents, how can I compensate? Yerushalayim. Kimitzi and Tetzay Torah, Sosa said. Try to find a place where, where, where they will be enmeshed in sanctity and the awareness of the Rabbonishlo. So let's think about the elements of the pre Yashub and Gamla time, which we can incorporate in order to strengthen and, and avoid sort of a friction or any kind of conflict that comes in the decision making process of the children. First of all, if, if we are successful, in 
involving the parents into the ongoings, which is now schools are trying more and more to involve the parents in the details of the, the children's chinuch. Parents have always been involved in the in much of what goes on in the school, but the details where the children are, where, where they're at in the Gemara, where they're at in the, in the Navi, where they're at in the Chumash, and which Rashi's they're learning. And, and the parents are, have their, their fingers on this. And the parents are open and have an open relationship with the rebellion and, and with the teachers. And there's open communication and there's real communication, real discussion. That if there is, if there are, if different ideas are being communicated, not to, to paper them over, real discussions of, of your goals, of your thoughts, of, and with the Rebbe, with, the, with the, the teacher's thoughts, the teacher's goals. And if there's real and genuine, respectful conversation and communication, then that brings together what becomes, what could otherwise be a, a bifurcated uh, existence for the child. The child sees the parents and rebellion respecting each other. It's a tremendous thing. The child sees that the parents, that, that they're not living two lives, they don't have the home life and the yeshiva life, but it's all one goal, intermeshed together. They see that uh, the parents are never dismissive of something that a, that, that, that a, a rebbe or, or a teacher said. So this goes a, a tremendous, tremendous way. And the parents are continuously reinforcing the, the goals of their own chinoch. The, just last week, one of my children came home and said that uh, the Rebbe was surprised that my child never doubted with me. He didn't know, and I didn't know something I'm So he said, I never see my father Dominic. So uh, he said, never see your father Dominic. So the child came home, my, my son said to me, I said, well, when would you see me Dominic? Because he's Dominic Yeshiva, right? So he said, well, what was the very thing? He's Dominic Yeshiva, now he's never been in Yeshiva. He had a good hour, he said, it was a Sunday morning. That's true. I sneak out Sunday morning. I'm, uh, it's easier for me to take, to, not to wait for my children to daven early, and then to t- bring my children later on to daven. I was sneaking out to daven early so I can get there in time and have to deal with uh, getting the kids up and trying to get there in time. Getting myself there in time is one that's a big enough malacha. To get all of us there in time is hard, so I would daven early, and then I'd come home and then do uh, the malacha, bringing the kids up in time for the next minion, for later minion. But it's very good arm. It's true. Mincha Marv, try. Try to, to have a Marv together. Sometimes without realizing it. We don't uh, sometimes use opportunities to reinforce, to make sort of a wholesomeness, an all-encompassing nature. Have real discussions with family Minogam. And with a family Mesorah. All our families have practices have Minogam. If we don't understand why, that's a great thing to discuss. And to figure it out. Every family has a Mesorah. You hear about it at the bris. You hear about it at the Bar Mitzvah. So why should you only hear about it at the bris and the Bar Mitzvah? Why should you hear about it shouted here time and time again of, of the great and unique aspects of their Mesorah? So later on, when it could happen that in the course of their learning they challenge a family practice, so then it's, it's dealt with with respect, not dismissed, because there's a certain pride of their own. They have a unique Mesorah. They have a unique Mesorah of their parents. 
that's all part of bringing together what has become a, a bifurcated uh, life for our children. In the, in the, in the biography of Yaakov Kamenevsky, it describes how he was very concerned that he was against children going to dormitories. He thought it was improper that children during their high school years should end up in dormitories. There was a time when his own grandchild, the parents send their, his children send his grandchild to Tarbadas. They lived out of town. They wanted to go to the grandfather's yeshiva. And Yaakov felt had misgivings. The grandchild was living with them. He said, but we're old. We're, we're grandparents. We can't provide the same kind of uh, warmth and home that parents would provide. We can't provide the same kind of communication. He, was, he had misgivings and he was, the biography writes that he was uh, very happy when his grandchildren befriended children in the neighborhood so that they would spend time in a home which is more like the home of their parents. There's a certain warmth, obviously. And that's the, the next step we have to understand. How do we take advantage? We have to try with all of our possibilities, with all of our strength, to bring back together the times before Yeshua and Gamal. We're not going to bring it back together. It wouldn't be good for us. Because Rabbi gave us this approach. It works for us. It works very well for us. But we're missing certain things. So let's try to bring together and create a more wholesome presentation of our children. At the same time, they have tremendous strength that we have because we have schools and rebellion and professionals involved with our children. They have tremendous strength by a child having two different experiences. Solomon, the Lakewood Mashkiach, has an amazing piece in one of his English drushes where he quotes, I believe it's Rabbi Yonah. I believe that's what it is. And I would love to read it out to you because you would not believe that he writes this without me reading it to you. He writes, Rabbi Yonah says that one of the great uh, challenges and accomplishments of a mother in Kali Yisrael is to take the child to school in the morning and to greet the child when the child comes back. So Solomon writes, and again, you'll have to look it up, you won't believe it, he writes, there's hardly a child that doesn't come home from a day to time, that doesn't come home from a long day feeling abused. And this is abused before abuse would have met now in the visual English word. Right? It's hardly a child. A long day, and tremendous demands. And then, sometimes a long bus ride. So he comes home, and the first thing he hears is, Oh, what do you do in school today? How much homework do you have? So then the child says, Oh my gosh, I just got out of this. All over again. Right? Is this a hack of home for this? Right? The child first has to hear, to relax a little bit. A bomb guy, to have a snack, to have, that's the home. To feel a certain uh, warmth that sometimes, again, our schools are remarkable in terms of their warmth. But the schools have to have standards. The schools have to make demands. The schools have to have, have to have uh, forms of tests. And the child has to be part of that program. The home has to be the, the counter to that. The home has to be absolute acceptance. Obviously, we're not going to accept the maladaptive behavior, right? Destructive behavior. But the sense that I'm not being tested. I'm not being challenged. I'm not being held to, to uh, standards that are set by something outside of myself. That I'm not, uh, that I'm being held to standards that have, have grown from within me. 
So that's the strength of having two, uh, two different sets. So we can, we can build on that. This place where, he, where a child is held outside evaluation, and a child, this place where a child is, is not being evaluated, it's just being loved and being strengthened, and uh, all the goodness is being noted and, and, um, and lauded and uh, developed. We gain from the two different settings because the children have different strengths which show up in different scenarios. Yeah, very often come when you come to parent-teachers meetings, right? You hear about things that you surely weren't aware of. The Rebbe certainly, certainly sees a very narrow uh, presentation of the child. It, it, at every age, it's different. Younger children, they present more. Older children, older, older Talmudians, the Rebbe sees a very, very narrow part of the, of, the, of the whole picture. Very narrow. We see, often we see a, a quiet, studious, often even a, a timid young man. And, uh, and we see, if you see him with his friends, his parents speak about him, he says, there's a much fuller life. There's a full person over there. Sometimes the opposite, sometimes the Rebbe will note, because he sees the child amongst peers, so leadership ability. The parents are, aren't aware of that. So there's a tremendous uh, value that we can gain from what has become these, these two different systems. And there are different options for our children. That sometimes a parent sees certain options and a Rebbe sees certain options. And that's valuable as long as there's communication and a child is being raised to understand that there's different options, to evaluate, discuss with people who love them and understand them. But sometimes a parent sees a narrow set of goals for a child. Something happens professionally. Something happens in terms of lifestyle. So the Rebbe sees a narrow set of, of goals for a child in terms of lifestyle, in terms of uh, life choice. And because we're coming something from different... Uh, something come from, from seeing differently. Something we have something in the Bible of looking at things. So child, if there is communication between the parent and the child, and if there are years and years of trust and openness, where a child can then present and pull these eyes together, the child becomes the, the big winner of uh, this kind of a system. I'm going to close with, uh, with a thought and a very, very cute story. We, we, we discussed we discussed that we tried to come together to discuss a weighty topic. And what we tried to do was give a framework to look at what sometimes can be a source of aggravation and disappointment and give a framework for it being a much more positive situation. We come into our child's early years of adulthood and we come into it hopefully having strengthened their own decision-making processes. Having given them a sense of self-value and self-esteem and self-worth. And having given them good processes and allowing them to make bad decisions and fail sometimes. And feel confident that they've learned from them. If, if we have a sense of openness and discussion, then the bifurcated life that Claudius has developed for itself which had, can be criticized, but at the same time, Chazal says, not friendly, 
We understand very well. Not for yeshivas, we can't imagine how we would be successful. But we can learn from this sugya that there's an ideal that we can strive to bring together. That there are tremendous strengths if a home is a home that is completely overwhelmed with sanctity, with Ritzon Hashem, with continuously strengthen. We don't leave it up to the yeshiva alone to strengthen the goals we want for a child. We don't treat our children in a bifurcated way that the yeshiva is where they learn, that we important of davening, and the home is where we provide their physical and, and their relaxation. But we see that the home is, is an equal part and perhaps even a more profound part. And if we build on the strength of having a different involvement from Rebbe and from teachers, a different evaluation of our children, if we build on the strength of a home to be a warm and, and a fuzzy environment, and uh, build on the, the strength of, of an open and respectful relationship, then we can go a long way in bringing the, our situation back to have the strength of Yeshua and Gamla, and the strength of pre-Yoshuv and Gamla. I thought this afternoon, as I was thinking about this presentation, that the very last Gemara of Sukkot, the very last Gemara of Sukkot, we often hear it in Siyumim, and it, we often hear about the Mishmar of Bilgo that was uh, penalized. And the different reason why it was penalized. And one reason is because the, this Mishmar, this uh, group of Kohanim, a month from that Bilga and Bilga went and uh, left the left the fold, so to speak. So the Gemara says, why do you hold them all responsible for one uh, one bad apple, one rotten apple? So the Gemara says, Shuta diyanuka oidi abuo oidi imei oile rosh elishchei. He says because the 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 murmuring, the thoughts of a child, the speak the speech of a child comes either from a father or from a mother. And that the Gemara is saying what a profound influence the activities, the conduct of, of parents have in a child. Now, it struck me all of a sudden, why is the end of Mesh Mesech the Sukkah? And it occurred to me all of a sudden that Mesech the Sukkah is the Mesech that talks about the Sukkah's Aroi. The Sukkah that is full of sanctity. Then Lusa you have the sukkah is the place where we speak about emunah and it's obviously it's yomtiv and it's and there's reason you have the most lofty guests in your sukkah so the Gemara says you can have the greatest sukkah you can have the greatest diva seroi you can have the greatest guests but the most profound influence is going to be the house it's going to be shuta the yaduka oidavu the the partnership but the, the greater sense is going to be in Shuta Dinuka. Now I'm going to close with a, a great story that I heard from my soon-to-be Mechudan, named Rabbi Moshe Shward, many of you know him. And he sat Shiva recently for his father, I think he was famous Shward. And he told me, the, in the, in the Shiva, he told me the following story. He said that uh, when he, when Moshe went to, I guess it was in high school at some point, the Shur, the Murbachidish family, and the Shemitzeras, they would eat inside the house sometimes in Sukkot. So one day, as happens many, many times, sorry, many, many times, Shalom comes home from Yeshiva, says, Rebbe said, we got to sit in the Sukkot, Shemitzeras. 
And I'm sure we said, oh, many of these discussions, quoting different Gedele and so on, so No. So the father said, but I'm uh, many to sit in the house. Again, has, not discuss right now the, the relative merits of the different positions you have. Rabbanim and Tamil will discuss it. So, came back from school the next day, he said, but, maybe it's in So the father said, it's in Show me So they open up, and that's it. It's in alright. He said, it's fine. We'll in the sukkah, we'll sit in the sukkah. Alright. High school, he sat in the sukkah. The yeshiva came home, sat in the sukkah. To Wayu, he sat in the sukkah. Went to law school, he got married. Then, a few years later, after they get married, so Moshe and his wife, and uh, Dr. Gila, they, 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 they make yotif for themselves, they build their own sukkah. So they built their own sukkah, had their own yotif, their own cholomori, their own chikitzer, and in the course of conversation, after the Tzimchus Torah, so Moshe says to his father, so how was they sure in the sukkah yesterday? I was. So he said, Moshe, the sukkah, I wasn't in the sukkah, I was at home yesterday. I sat in the house. So Moshe said, but we discussed this years ago. Remember, he said, I should show you what the Shukhan Aruch, and I showed you, and I convinced you, this is the right way to me. And he said, Moshe, he said, your Rebbe told you, you showed me Shukhan Aruch, fine, as long as you're home, we'll sit in the sukkah. You're going to, we'll sit in the sukkah, you bring your wife to our home, we'll sit in the sukkah. We'll sit in your own sukkah, you're not coming to my sukkah. My minig is to sit in the sukkah, is in the house, I'm sitting in the house, that's the minig, that's my minig. That, I think, catches the the sanctity of Kavim Yisrael. The best of the best. The best attitude towards Rebbeim, raising a child to appreciate the godless of Midig Yisrael, Midig Ovos, Mesor of family, and Rebbeim. I couldn't put together in a better way. I thank you very much. I thank Torah I echo the sentiments of Rabbi Kamenetsky about the peculiar efforts of Judah Diamond. And I look forward, together with you, to hear my esteemed colleague, Rabbi Meir Tversky. I want to just take personal privilege to ask one follow-up question quickly to Rabbi Huberberg, because I think it's on the mind of many people who are to this topic. If you need to leave, please do, we're going to dial in five minutes. Um, in terms of the topic of the parent's role in a child decision-making process, I think one area where parents feel that uh, a lot is particularly the area of Shidduchim. Now, I know that there's uh, that another Torah presentation on that whole topic, and you should look at it and, and hear it. But perhaps, for a minute, just for a minute or two, for those who can still say, okay, maybe not a minute or two, three minutes, that might be five minutes. For those who can stay, for a minute, we can give some guidelines to parents on, because that's part of the topic, the parents' role in a child's life decisions. If maybe the Rebbe can give us just some general guidelines for a few seconds on that topic. From my perspective, very often, my, my perspective as a Rebbe, very often the Talmudim will come, it's almost, uh, it's almost a pattern, I think, in Yeshivas, and Maitrosky, and I'm sure your experience will uh, confirm this, it's almost a pattern that, that the Talmudim will come to the Rebbe before they begin dating, and have a discussion about uh, what, uh, how they should date and what they should be looking for. And then sometimes through the dating process. I always, when the Talmudim come to me, so I discuss with them 
with whether uh, discussing whether they had this discussion with their parents, and uh, that almost again part of it that the parents feel that the the young man or some of the young girls ready for dating. Uh, when it comes to the young men, so there are the timing. There's some more flexibility in the timing than with a young woman, and we have to balance the the ability to grow in their in their Torah studies and have amounts of time to either years of nurturing their strength in Torah studies, professional pursuits as well. Uh, but that usually is, uh, is well developed by the individual and the family. It's important for me to weigh in on making sure that these uh, uh, developing years are years where people learn their important skills so that they will have a life full of, of Torah later on. So we discuss timing. We discuss what indications are going on in the, in the young man's life, uh, whether it's time to, again, time to, uh, to date, and then, when it comes to what children are looking for, or what they should be looking for, so there, it's, that is such an important discussion that, uh, that a Rebbe and parents should be involved in. Um, because again, a Rebbe often only sees one slice of a child. And the parents have a much uh, broader view of their child. And I think that we, we look, we, we want our, uh, the, the the I, I hope Mr. McKenzie was, was was guiding me to discuss. I think that uh, first and foremost, we're looking, we have to guide our children that they should be looking for Yerusha Mayim, both the boys and girls. Um, it's often easier for the men to find girls who are Yerusha Mayim, for whatever reason, um, and and that is there has to be a depth to Yerusha Mayim. And when we're looking at Yerushalayim, we have to caution our children not to be taken by shallowness, not to be taken by uh, behaviors or attitudes that may have been picked up uh, in a year or two in Eretz Yisrael, but are not deep and, and, and well-born. To make sure that there are attitudes that come, that either come from parents and from families and from years and years of schooling, or, if they come from a year or two of learning Eretz Yisrael, that they are well-rooted and well-born and are really part of the person. That's of extreme importance. One has to caution children that one doesn't uh, date with, with ideas that one may have picked up, but, and maybe great ideas, but then they have to grow into those ideas. I... Uh, a young woman may come back from Eretz Yisrael with, with uh, very beautiful and grand ideas of a young man learning full-time for years and years. But she may absolutely appreciate that that can come with a very, very difficult life. It can come with a difficult uh, financial life. So if she appreciates that there's a, that kind of a life has a wealth to it, a wealth of Bira Shemaim and a wealth of Torah and a source of great happiness, but it means living a little bit uh, skimpier. It means being the stuff taken away. So then that can be great. But if, a, but if a young man and a young woman think they can have everything, think that they can learn for years and years, and uh, and, and then hopefully go into the Lech and be skilled at it, be good at it, 
and then to think that they can also uh, maybe use all the comforts they've grown accustomed to then uh, they're, they're not living they're not, they're not genuine it's not true and parents have to I think have to remind children of this with concrete examples speak to everybody and again not to say that a life of Molechus HaKodesh I think it's a tremendous life uh, we want it for all my children we want it for all my families if they're capable and if they can do it but if they can do it it's a great life but if it me, if they think that they don't have to be mystetic they don't have to be satisfied with a less mature kind of life if that's not who they are it's like they'll, they'll be aggravated and upset later on so that's very important to look for your Shemayim but your Shemayim again which is well worn your Shemayim which is, which is wide eyed and really understanding that these are and, and spending time to appreciate that that's sometimes an error that people make that uh, they can take it by ideas that are great and are wonderful but not deep and uh, that can be very very dangerous so I think it's very important to explain to children of Moshe writes for Moshe wouldn't say it may be hard to say but Rav Moshe writes that boys have to be attracted to each other that's Rav Moshe I think maybe has that number one as opposed to number two that sometimes again children are are idealistic and that's one of the great uh, one of the great attributes of, of usefulness to be idealistic that's right and how the we can maintain that idealism all the way through but sometimes one has to realize that there's that if there isn't a physical attraction, if there isn't a chemistry, I'm more romantic than they my colleagues. And if there isn't a romance, that's not because Baruch Hu wants us to have and that's not going to give us the, the strength and the structure that men and women are going to need to build beautiful homes later on. I think these are, uh, now, in terms of the dating process itself, I think you have to encourage our children to, to have to get to know each other, not to rush into things. And neither requires a lot of balance. We don't want to discourage spontaneity. We don't want to dampen the idealism of children. If a child, and I, you know, I'm very, very clear, I don't want to dampen the child comes back from his own enthused and inspired and excited, build on it. I wouldn't say it has to be realistic. It has to understand what, what's up ahead. Not to dampen or discourage it, just to make sure that it's really there, that it's going to persist, that it's going to, they can live with this excitement. And a, and, a, and a young man, a young girl can live with the excitement of the Melechus HaKodesh and, and live with the, and be happy with being mystetic. Well, absolutely. It should be encouraged. It should be, it should be encouraged with Kali Yisrael Nidus. That kind of strength and that kind of vibrance. It has to be tested a little bit to make sure that it's really there. But I think that's, those are the, uh, to make sure that the child realizes that Yerush uh, is of the greatest importance. Significant, and again, that the, the physical attraction has to be there. That there has to be a that, that the relationship has to have some depth to it. They've spent enough time with each other that they've discussed serious things. That they've had fun together. Having fun together means there's chemistry, but that they have discussed real issues together. So that there's a, there's a that there'll be soulmates for each other. These are things that we have to encourage as they're dating. To ask one's child, has, have you had real discussions? Dating for whatever it is, a month, two months. We are, we are part of a process that's very hard to slow it down the way that I would much rather slow down the dating process and have it take a little bit longer. It's very hard in our society to do that right now. But one can certainly put in checks to make sure have you had serious discussions? Have you, had, have you discussed ideas and ideals and goals?
so that they should be soulmates of each other. And um, and then also when people are if one helps one child into looking into individuals, so the looking into individuals should focus on these things also. Real character issues, not the not the shallow things of, uh, that aren't important. The important things are character, personality, integrity. Integrity is the most important thing. You're looking into the personality of a, of a possible shidduch, integrity, thoughtfulness. And the people that, and the children who have shown that they can put somebody else ahead of their own needs. Look at it, make sure they try to find the best one's ability. That a person's not self-centered. These are the, the real things that we should be looking at. And, of course, a happy family life. If they've grown up in a happy, wholesome home, then, those are the, then that's what they want to provide for their, for their future spouses. These are the things that come to mind. I'm not sure if that's what you were going for. But, uh,